welcome to Q&A Quest, episode 166. Uh, Wheels is temporarily indisposed, so what you've got left is uh, word criminal David McBurney, family master, and... And your managed pen, Michael Baker, Gaijin Minogatari. Am I alone here? Yeah. I might be alone. Oh, I just realized that uh, my headphones came out. Ah. Sorry about that. Uh-huh. I probably interrupted you, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did, actually. Yeah. Sincere apologies. Continue? Or should we start again? Yeah, sure. Um, no, let's just keep going. I think okay. they I think they would have heard most of what I said before you cut in. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I get to be in the dark, is what you're saying. But uh, how you been? How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Um, rainy season just started, but thankfully today is not nearly as wet as yesterday. I like rain, so I feel like I would like the rainy season, but that might just be because I haven't seen the rainy season. <laughs> I mean, it's a monsoon. I mean, Fair not enough. quite that bad, but it's it's getting up into monsoon categories. Um, yesterday was, like, mostly vertical rain, but occasionally diagonal and once or twice horizontal. That seems novel for about the first three seconds, at which point it becomes yeah. a problem. And... It, while taking the daughters to nursery school, it kind of felt like it was vertical going the wrong way. Hmm. Which is why I had two different pairs of shoes and three different pairs of socks yesterday. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. My second pair of shoes is still at work, just in case I get to school with everything soaked and I need them. Again. So. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a healthy attitude, given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that sounds unpleasant. Uh, yep. It'll be how over. How long does the rainy season usually last? Two weeks. Okay. Eh, could be worse, I suppose. But uh, you got uh, you've been up to much since last we heard from you. Um, still trying and failing to beat the final boss in Dandy Dungeon. Hmm. That difficult? Um, I, I've cleared out quite a few other um, optional dungeons at max trophy level and everything. Mm-hmm. The issue is mainly getting to the final boss. Mm. Um, because he's got a bunch of bodyguards on the eight floors leading up to him who give all or nothing um, hits. Hmm. They either miss you, or you guard them with a shield, or they kill you. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they hit... When they do hit, it's for straight nines damage. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, usually I keep... I'm. Yeah, the, the second time I managed to get to the final boss, I was just like, okay, I don't even care about the score rankings or anything i'm just loading up with all of the scrolls that break the score rankings board so yeah there there are a few things that you can use in the game where it will um officially uh cancel your score ranking because you quote unquote cheated it's too much for the score rankings to handle yep Uh, this includes using rice balls for a free one up or um, using the scroll that lets you completely skip a floor. Ah. Or 
either of the summons scrolls. Hmm. So one of the summons is a peach-themed priest who calls the waters and floods the middle three columns of the floor. Mm-hmm. And then parts the waters and blasts everything. And the other one is Melonganus, which is um, a joke on the Holy Spirit Longinus, and it's also a direct reference to, uh, visually a direct reference to the Odin's su- Odin summon in the middle three Final Fantasy games. <laughs> as he slices, literally slices through a cantaloupe across the screen. As a metaphorical representation of what he's doing to every enemy on screen that is not currently hidden. <laughs> so. so that helps get through the first eight floors of that building quite easily. Um, it just is technically cheating. <laughs> so. And then surviving the next, the final boss is a completely different issue. Yeah. So yeah, that sounds like that's been going swimmingly. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's still a fun game to play. I'm just building up stuff. I've gotten several legendary weapons and everything. It's just um, they that level was intentionally nasty. As, as happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like Wales is back, maybe? I hope so. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Thought I heard him, but uh, uh, yeah. So just just dandy dungeon for you. Well, I also just recently got a uh, pro- um, project review code for something which currently has an embargo date on it, so I uh, probably shouldn't be talking much about that yet. You'll have Maybe to tell time. me about this afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah the embargo is like the sixteenth, fifteenth or sixteenth, so it's got. Few days. Yeah, I don't know how Wales is recording this. I assume it's not streaming, but at the same time, we can't guarantee when this will go up. So, it, exactly. So I figure, you know, we'll be. I mean, the odds that this will be up on the site before the embargo date are slim to none. But we don't know if we're live broadcasting right now, so I'm just not going to. Try. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Uh, so, yeah. Well, that that does tend to short circuit discussion on that uh, particular but before that um, I had a different switch game up called work work or work by work which is it's a Furyu published game and um, I mean since I'm hitting about 55% enjoyed enjoyment rating with all the games that I've (laughs) played from them I figured I would try this one too yeah um First of all, Platinum 3 would love the character designs because every character in this game looks like a perler, perler bead design. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, he makes those for various sprites. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. So, yeah, every single character in this game looks like it was made from perler beads. <laughs> but um, my avatar character is a... Um, a new hire at a theme park called Great Big Hero Land. <laughs> um, he is so far down the totem pole that at my first promo- first official promotion, I was promoted to apprentice part-time. <laughs> um, but 
I have to be the tour guide for various characters um, enjoying the games and the fun and games at Great Big Hero Land, mm-hmm. um, including the former crown prince of the nearest kingdom. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, quite sure how this happened, but he got demoted from number one prince in the prince rankings to number 18. That feels like a precipitous drop. Yep. So, um, not only is he no longer officially the crown prince, but he is also variously referred to as 18 instead of his own name. You get to lose your name as well uh, as your position. Yep. Whereas he consistently forgets that my character has a real name, my name, and just calls me Poochie, as in dog. Um, and everyone else has picked up on this, and everyone calls my character Poochie now. <laughs> well, if only you could actually play as a small dog, perhaps with a rocket launcher. Oh, even better. Prince number 17 in the rankings is a dog. That makes sense. Perhaps yeah. King Good Boy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, Prince number 18 is not very happy about that. So, but Prince Number Eighteen is also somehow convinced that the Lord of Darkness in Great Big Hero Land is real, and not just mm. a guy in a suit. So he it, he has made it his mission to defeat the Great Dark Lord of Great Big Hero Land and prove himself worthy of advancing back up to number one in the Prince rankings. That's a lofty goal. Yes. And everyone else is like, he does know this is a theme park, right? He has to, surely. I don't think so. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it keeps going like this. Sounds, sounds like a good start. Yep. And so my character is, is the tour guide. And so he, can, he only gives suggestions to characters on what they should be doing. Otherwise, they just act however they want. And so he has a selection of two tour guide flags to wave to give commands to a group. So like the yellow flag is everybody defend or the black flag is everyone attack this particular monster. Things like that. So it's funny. It's kind of interesting and weird and seems like it's something worth persisting with at least. Yep. I mean, it's not outright bad like uh, Extetra was or boring beyond belief like Unchained Blades. Oh, man. Yeah. Man, I remember seeing people who were very, very excited to try Unchained Blades, and that feeling evidently did not last very long. No, it's just, it's one of those games that was designed for extreme dungeon crawl enthusiasts by extreme dungeon crawl enthusiasts who mm-hmm. did not bother to m- figure up exactly how much plot would be necessary to help support the dungeons that they were making. Yeah. Um, of all the dungeons in Unchained Blades Exiv that I can rec- that have somehow remained in my memory, only one of them actually had enough plot to really justify its existence, and that was the one that you technically played through twice because it had two halves. Hmm. So, whereas Dungeons 2, 3, and 4 were all supposedly um, played simultaneously by three different maiden characters, 
So you got stuck in the same level 3 to 10 range for 20 hours of the game. Mm -hmm. So all three of those dungeons should have been half the size or something. (laughs) Pretty annoying. (sighs) So that, uh, that seems like enough games to have on anyone's plate. Is that all you got going? <laughs> yeah, just just those technically three. Though yeah. obviously I've put work work by work aside for a little while until I need something really silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, a bunch of games happen too much, really. I mean, Xenoblade Definitive is like 100 hours long. I started, uh, I took a bite out of that. Uh, I absolutely need to stop uh, doing all the side quests or I'll die. Yeah. Um, Not recommended. <laughs> how many side quests does this game have? I, I don't know. The number is very high. Uh, I'm probably going to try to limit myself to only doing the ones that have clocks on them. The game is at least kind enough to tell you which ones will go away if you don't do them before you trip certain event flags. That's so, nice. So at the very least, it's like, well, you know which ones you have to either decide you don't want to do ever or do them sooner than later. So I've eliminated all the ones that are marked with clocks. That's something. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, uh, I, I couldn't even begin to guess. The, the answer for this game has to be well into the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the first, before you even get into the plot, you could have taken on well over a dozen, so... <laughs> it's a lot... There's a lot of game there. Uh, there's a lot of, as far as I can tell, required content to begin with, so it's like it's not like you're going to ever have a short version of the Xenoblade experience. Mm-hmm. But the, the remake... Uh, the remaster, I should say, seems to be quite good. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do appreciate that for those who have finished the game before... Uh, at the title screen, you can just select the new epilogue scenario and just play that if that's something that you really want to see, which is a nice bit of user convenience. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I've played a bit of The Outer Worlds on Switch, which is a very ambitious port. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's been released in Japan yet. I wouldn't be surprised if it hasn't. I don't know what I mean, kind I... of... I know it was intended. I know it has been announced for Japan. I just didn't know if it got around to it yet. Yeah, I'm not sure if any version's been released in Japan. Mm. Uh, I mean, I remember seeing it in advertised like nine months ago. Yeah, that would have been when the PS4 Xbox and PC version came out. So it's quite possible that it did just come out in Japan and that it's just taking a while to get there. I mean, it got delayed several months in America as well. So yeah. it might just still and be a little while. That- that was out um, without international medical emergencies. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, overall, it's it's exactly what you would expect, which is to say that it is very much the least pretty, uh, least well-performing version, but it's not to the point where you couldn't just play this version. And so if you don't, 
if you either haven't played the other versions and thus don't know what visual effects have been sacrificed in the process, or if you just don't care, I mean, it's still the Outer Worlds, and that's still a very good game. I probably would not care. Yeah. So. But yeah, uh, I'm sure me and Wheels can get into this again later because uh, he's been really making a meal out of that one. So I don't want to get too much into that. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, the biggest thing that's happened today is something that I feel certain that you would not have bothered to watch. <laughs> oh, what? The uh, PlayStation 5 reveal. Oh, I. Well, I mean, I was would have been able to actually watch it in time anyway. So I was yeah, going to ask it was like you guys. Like five a.m. in Japan. How, exactly. <laughs> so I was going to ask you guys what you thought of it because I was seeing some really interesting reactions on Twitter, and I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can, we can start diving into that. I'm sure we also have things to say. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good reveal. Like the the thing that struck stuck out to me is one the the system itself. Like this doesn't matter, but it's ugly as shit. Um, <laughs> It's a really like trying too hard to look sleek in future, and it looks like someone what someone thought the future looked like twenty years ago. Uh, if they're gonna if they're gonna use the past for inspiration like that, they should have just gone to Hugo Gernsback's designs. Yeah, go for something that at least yeah, it's ugly. Um, yeah, I think it's telling that they still haven't announced its price. Mm-hmm. Like. I think that they're very they they want there to be some groundswell of like people excited for it mm-hmm. before they announce how much it's going to cost because I mm-hmm. think they're very scared of the PS3 situation where they uh like announced that right as they were trying to build excitement and it kind of killed it in the killed it for the first year. Yeah. But I <laughs> also will be shocked if that so they announced the other thing that they did was they announced that it would have come in two versions. There is one that is exactly what you expect, and then there's one without a disk drive. And I am oh. convinced that that disk driveless version exists so that there can be a version that is less than $500. I am convinced that the version with a disk drive is going to be at least $500, if not more. I remember reading um, some old estimates just from like the uh, listed technology that was supposed to be going yeah. into it. And everyone was going, if this is, if this can be made at cost for less than $450, we don't see how. Yeah. And like without any sort of cost of materials. Yeah. Like if it was somehow able to be made just from its materials, it would be $450. That's before any sort of concern about the cost of manufacturing it, shipping it everywhere. Like the, there's no way for them to break even at that point, and I don't think they're in a position to really just eat a ton of cost as they have I mean, sometimes in the past. Yeah, I'm, I was going to say. I mean, it's. I mean, it's pretty common in the industry to eat the cost on the console so you can make up for it on the software sales. But even so, that's that's a whole lot to chew on. Yeah, yeah. and it's like with the with the PS3, the thing that was that really like drove the cost up was the Blu-ray drive, which they were going to manufacture at such scales that like they knew the cost was going to go down rapidly, whereas this, I don't think... It seems like the components that are expensive in it are not going to go down in price quickly. Yeah. So, 
I mean, it's worth noting. I don't think I think the PS4 is still three hundred dollars. Like I, yeah, I I have no ideas on this. Like uh, again, if it's less than five hundred dollars for the disc drive version, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the games they showed were pretty neat. Uh, there was nothing that really like blew me away, but. There was some there was some cute stuff. You could tell that they had essentially like abandoned the idea that Japan was ever going to see this presentation. <laughs> <laughs> there's basically there's not even a sop to the like it is all uh like things that Westerners care about and uh like there's some Western indie games thrown in there, but there's nothing that's like uh a big Japan get other than a Square game that is not part of any existent franchise and that is so far off they wouldn't even pretend to give a release date, a release year. Like <laughs> there were, there were games in that that were labeled as 2022 games, mm-hmm. but uh, it's like Project Agathy or something, something like that from Square that just uh, it Project just said what? Project Agathy or something. Okay, for a moment there, I thought you said Agony, as in um, Agony's philosophy. I was like, oh, man, if they're making a game based on that, that'd be great, but no. Yeah, no, I don't... It's it's not Agathy, but it's something... It starts with a similar, like... Yeah, whatever. The point is, they showed it, they said it was designed exclusively for PS5, and they didn't even pretend to hint at a release year. Hmm. It's the only Square Enix thing announced for it, so I'm going to assume that... Okay, it's Project Athia. Project that's Athia. what it was. Okay. And it's it's from their Luminous Studios team, who... They are some of the people that made FF15, but noticeably not any of the people who headed up that project, which, raised, which makes it a much bigger question mark. Mm-hmm. So... That, yeah, uh, I have no idea what that game will be. Um, otherwise, like, a lot of it was stuff that had been announced before, but was mysteriously didn't have its platform announced. So it's stuff like uh, Shinji Mikami's Ghostwire Tokyo was announced as a mm-hmm. uh, PS5 game. And it's like, well, that's a shock. You sure you revealed that at uh, E3 last year. You didn't show it, and you didn't say what it was for, so... I'm not exactly surprised that that turned out to be a PS5 and Xbox Series X game. So, do you think the that Sony is conceding that the Switch has a stronger hold on the Japanese market than they could man it and then they could oppose? I, I feel like they've accepted that Japan for them is a niche that you know, like certainly they can sell big games there. I think uh, stuff like FF7 mm-hmm. and FF15 and Dragon Quest do good business, but certainly that they are not going to be top dog in Japan and they're not going to try. Uh, yeah, but you'd think they would have learned from Xbox on that particular market niche. Yeah, like the thing is, the more you seed it, the more that it's impossible to pick it back up. So I'm curious yeah. what their plans are. I feel like like in terms of Japanese games, you're going to probably see a lot of games that are Switch, PS4, PS5. And... Like but that's the also, that's, that also means that the Switch is dictating the minimum gra- graphics requirements. 
Yeah, like a, a lot of them are probably going to be like if you build it for Switch, it's very easy to port it up. It's much harder if you build it for something else. Yeah. So it's likely that you're going to see a lot of PS5 games that are basically like Switch games that have been upresed to an ungodly resolution and yeah. run just and fine. But I mean, why did you buy a PS5 if that's what you were going to play? That's what I was thinking because that that takes away a lot of the PS5's supposed technical advantage. If you can even say it has a technical advantage at this point, because it's going beyond what's what anybody would find necessary in the game. Yeah, like its best features in terms of like its actual tech are the way that its SSD scheme works and ray tracing, both of which are very like nice to have, but depend like to use them, your game has to be built on them, like. Ray tracing, you can probably, like, drop into a game that has a different lighting engine, but at that point, you've probably already done all the lighting anyway, so you're not actually gaining anything. Mm -hmm. And the SSD thing is, like, that's really useful if you're building... Like, the way that it loads data is apparently very impressive, heavily parallelized, and, like, gives you a lot of capacity to load in tons of assets quickly, but again, you would build your entire game around that. That only is helpful if you're already starting as a PS5 game. Yeah. So... In terms of, like, actual use, like, I'm sure we'll see some very impressive PS5 games from Square Enix and, like, Capcom and Western developers, and then most of Japan's uh, mid-tier developers are going to happily continue on PS4 and Switch because uh, they aren't currently trying to make a strong case for this in Japan. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried later, but it is telling that it seems like it's Sony Interactive Entertainment's North American branch that's sort of driving the ship with this. Yeah. So. So how massive is the Switch's market penetration at this point? Has it reached the Wii levels yet? Uh, It can't yet, just because it hasn't been around long enough, but it's outpacing it at this point, which is the thing that's more concerning. (laughs) I mean, yes, I mean, we have the pandemic effect there in America and Japan. Yeah, I mean, like, suddenly its use case makes a lot more sense in the pandemic, where it's like, you would think that that would make less sense because people are at home, but the thing is that with that, it also right. means that it's... people suddenly care a lot more about who's using the TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just that, but if it's a family with kids and you want something that has local multiplayer for more than two people... That's about your only option. With family-friendly options for games... Yeah. There there's a reason why the original model switch is massively outselling the new model switch. <laughs> yeah, let me see what the I'm trying to work out what the total sales of the new Animal Crossing are and it's like a nightmare. Massive. Um yeah. I just remember things like just random TV shows I, I was watching Samantha B an episode of that a while back mm-hmm. and she made a joke about please airdrop some Nintendo switches. <laughs> And I mean, if it's if it's hit public consciousness at that level, it's yeah, yeah that that is what we call a runway success for a for any sort of hard hardware. Yeah. Okay. Looking at it, Animal Crossing sold about fourteen, like thirteen to fourteen million copies in six weeks. So. Yikes! Yeah, oh, that's wow. terrifying. That is actually a scary number. Uh, that that is 
if Nintendo actually wants to make a successor to the Switch at any point, that's the money they're using. Yeah, pretty much. Just by itself. I mean, I used to joke that the, that the Pokemon, the original Pokemon games helped finance the GameCube, but... I mean, they're certainly what kept them afloat during that period. Yes, um, but I mean, Animal Crossing alone, right now, would have paid for the next Switch. Pretty much. Might have paid for the PlayStation 5. Um, <laughs> for R&D. That's ridiculous. But, yeah. Uh... But yeah, I, th- I think that you're going to continue to see, like, the anything mid-tier and below in Japan is likely to just use Switch as its base platform and just sort of pour it on up. It sold, o- it sold almost 12 million copies in the first 11 days. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, that's a... Uh, it's, and yeah, let's see. Every article so far is saying breaks records, breaks records, breaks records. Uh huh. I love the I love the cheerful under. Mm-hmm. Cheerful what? Hello. 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 Are we? Are can you hear me again? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Can you, um, okay, I can hear you now. Good. Okay, okay so I, you cut out after cheerful. Uh, I was saying I love the cheerful understatedness of Nintendo's uh, official press release, which says that uh, Animal Crossing has greatly exceeded our expectations. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, I mean, apparently it still has a way to go before it actually beats the top lists for video game sales records, though I'm not quite sure how they're counting... Player unknown or player unknowns battlegrounds here. Yeah, a lot of these like well, you, you get into like these things that like I don't know. I feel like player unknowns was likely free for some period, which likely contributed same, same to that with number. Minecraft. Yeah, that's a, that one it's, also might be counting some of those like mobile versions that we'd probably consider a separate game, but yeah, because I mean Minecraft's got two hundred million in sales supposedly listed. I'm not. I'm thinking there is something weird about that. Yeah. There was definitely and like a... hundred million free... for Tetris from EA. That's an... Uh, ah, specifically that one? Huh. Yeah. That's Mobile a weird phone. one. That must be a phone version. That's the only thing I can yep. think of. And that was probably just like free and boatloaded with ads. Yeah. Whereas Nintendo's Tetris is at 43 million, almost certainly because it was bundled with the Game Boy. Yep, that was a Game Boy pack-in for many a year. <laughs> yeah, it was the killer app. Um, though it, this one says Game Boy and NES, so it's probably counting both versions. That would make sense. That would make sense. Um, po- original Pokemon trilogy was 47.5 million copies. Which is impressive because it was only ever really bundled with Game Boys as yellow. Like, there were special yeah, yellow... It's also saying multi-platform, so it's probably counting, um, like re-released formats or something like digital download yeah but i doubt that that has a huge uh effect on it it's probably just a couple yeah. million more so i would imagine so, that on game boy it was likely 40 million of those were sold yeah let's see some of these are obviously going to be ongoing but pokemon ruby sapphire emerald 22 and a half million okay makes sense diamond pearl platinum 20 almost 24 almost 25 million 
Makes sense. That early DS hype. Sun, Moon, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, much closer to 25 million. Hmm. Duck Hunt, 28 million. That was a pack in for many years, so I can see how that happened. Pokemon Gold, Silver, Crystal, just Game Boy Color version, almost 30 million. So 29.5 million. Yeah, I don't think the Pokemon hype ever ran hotter than Gold, Silver, Crystal. Yeah. It was a good po- It was a, certainly a high point. It was a high so, point. It was like right after the craze. So. But yeah, it looks like Animal Crossing has only a little ways to go before it beats out Gran Turismo 4 and Super <laughs> Mario re- Land. I wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, I feel like Gran Turismo 3 or 4 must be the best selling Gran Turismo, but I'm not sure. Uh, that was another thing that they announced. was just like. Th- this was the thing that was just really funny to me. Uh, so they announced a Gran Turismo 7 for PS5. And all I could think when they announced that was just, this is our official non-apology for the fact that there was never a real numbered Gran Turismo on PS4. (laughs) They released a game called Gran Turismo Sport, which at the time they said was the next Gran Turismo, but they sure just announced one called Gran Turismo 7. So... That was a choice. That was a choice. In seven years, they never made a real PS4 Gran I was, however, sad when Kazunari Yamuchi uh, showed up on the uh, showed up on the video feed, and all I could think was the funniest thing that could happen right now is if he were to announce another Motor Tune Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. That would have made my day. Wouldn't have made any sense, but it would have been really funny. For those unaware, Motor Grand. Motor Tune Grand Prix was a Mario Kart-style racing game about sentient cars made by Polyphony Digital back in, like... That's, like, a very early PS1 game in Japan. I want to say that's, like, a 94 PS1 game in Japan. Oh, wow. Uh, And it was... uh, Yep, December 16th, 1994. Uh, That must have been, like, first gen for that console. Yep, as early as they come. Uh... Yeah, uh, December 16th. I think that's like a literally a week after the game, console first came out. I want to say it's a December 9th, uh, 94 is when the PS1 first came out in Japan. Mm. Uh, that was also the brief period where Polyphony Digital was called Polly's Entertainment. <laughs> There's a weird superfluous uh, apostrophe in there for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I would have liked to see a really ungodly, high-resolution, high-fidelity remake of Motor Tune Grand Prix, but uh, no one else would, and it wouldn't sell very poorly. So uh, I can understand why they didn't. Yeah. And this is why we are not in any polling groups for marketing purposes. Uh, Yeah, so... There's that. I'm sure we'll dig back into PS5 uh, when Wheels returns from exile. Uh, Mm -hmm. But as for now, we got a couple more questions in the Discord. Yay. Uh, Let's see. 
Shitan85 asks, I got a question for y'all. Squall's Gunblade seems to be considered one of the dumbest weapons in RPGs from stuff I hear. Not sure if it's because of Squall or FFA or both, but can you guys think of any other weapons that stick out that are really disliked? Personally, I think Quinn's Fork is much worse just an FF, but to each their own. I, I mean, the fork kind of gets a pass because it's literally a joke, whereas the Gunblade like gets mocked in part because it's supposed to be cool, but every time you think about it, it's just like, this is just the worst idea anyone's ever had. Technically, technically during the Civil War period, somebody did make a pistol knife gunblade. Yeah, it just it didn't make any sense. It was a bad idea. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. Well, of I, mean, I mean, if we want to get really ridiculous, Cloud's Buster Sword is the most ridiculous thing imaginable. Yeah, that thing's it's, just a giant Just from ball. a point of mechanics. Uh, oh man I've mentioned this before I will mention it again I, one of my favorite screenshots I've ever seen is someone googling how on earth Squall sticks that thing to his back and the it's supposed Google, to be a magnetic clip now isn't it I think so I think that was technically always supposed to be how it worked but the thing that was really funny was that uh, the Google the Google's first result is someone speculating that based on how he does it and how he moves that the only explanation is that his body is a giant magnet <laughs> so you know I'd pay to see yeah. that I mean dumbest weapons I've seen yo-yos used as weapons I mean boomerangs as a weapon as they are shown in games don't work hilariously uh, nonsensical yeah I mean the, the actual combat boomerangs were throwing clubs but they were not meant to come back they were meant to whack something in the face and then fall um yeah yeah it's uh i mean they do hurt to get hit in the head with don't recommend it i mean um i know i know there was at least one game that had a bunny girl with a giant carrot is that one of the shadow hearts that feels like a shadow hearts choice that was a chrono cross Oh, Chrono Cross. Yeah, uh, the bunny girl in charge of the um, battle arena was... Yeah. She's one of the few um, I never actually recruited. <laughs> or at least don't recall ever using. Oh, I recruited most of them. I never used most of them. Um, yeah. Um, scythes are technically a really awful weapon choice because of the way that, you know, they're only sharp on the inside of the blade and are impossible to use in an offensive manner the way that you think Grim Reaper would use them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Japanese ninja-style kama, that's slightly different because of the way the things are designed for hands, but they're still not the best possible weapons, and they're mostly for grabbing, like, slashing somebody from behind. So. Yeah. Um, um, Hitting the pendulum-style guillotine uh, blades being yeah. used as a throwing weapon. I don't think I've seen someone try to use that as a throwing weapon, but I would probably pay to Final see Fantasy it. Final so. Fantasy Adventure. Oh, yeah! Which, again, that was basically um, that was based on the the ninja Kusarigama design. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there was something that existed sort of like that. It just could not have worked the way that most games and shows make it look. Um, Comet Hammers. That's basically a ball and chain. Yeah. Um, nunchucks. Very difficult to use in a way that doesn't harm yourself. A lot of awareness. At that point, if you're good enough at using them, you're probably better off with a different weapon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's plenty that are just specifically ridiculous. Um, like 
the um, the unfinished Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden two guns. Yeah, pretty much all of them. The gun yeah. that shoots the gun that shoots bees and then infests the targets with beehives that spark that sprout more bees that attack other enemies. Is it any uh, wonder that this game didn't manage to come out? <laughs> it was certainly uh, ambitious. Yeah, no, respect, hilariously respect. ambitious. And that was the point, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of ones that are supposed to be cool or like that you're supposed to take seriously. And all I'm coming up with are the ones that are l- literal jokes. Um, I mean, pretty much any overly designed, cool-looking sword in an RPG where you look at that and you think there's no way that that could survive a strike with anything without shattering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I mean, things that make... Some of them make the Buster Sword look like a model of design stability. <laughs> yeah. Because at uh, least the Buster Sword doesn't have holes in it. So... But yeah, like that's that's the other thing is that like to pursue on to the other part of this question, I feel like a lot of it is just like if FF8 was more well liked among people, like this would be brought up less as like something to mock. But because you know, if people don't like the game, it taints their reactions to everything related to it. So it tends to bring it up in a more negative light than it might otherwise be. Where the worst, most like ridiculous weapons get is a roll of the eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now I'm trying to think of like my favorite like actual joke weapons. Well, there's plenty. Um, oh, what were some games that allowed you to pick up and equip other characters as your weapon and just smack them? I feel like there had to have been at least one Nipponichi game that let you do that. Yeah, that was in Nipponi in one Nipponichi. There's like a way to like weaponize other characters. I remember mm. the the kind of bad Brave Fencer Musashi sequel on PS2 has uh, you use princesses as swords for certain portions of the game. Princesses, okay. Yeah, you rescue a princess, and then as you're taking her back, you use her as a sword. Hmm. Uh, okay. Yakuza usually will have something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that reminds me. Uh, they were talking about the English localization of Yakuza 7 yesterday, and I was just really happy that there is a mini game that is uh, you on a rickshaw competing with other people on rickshaws to see who can pick up the most litter. <laughs> Yakuza has a style and a type um, and they also were talking about how each Yakuza game will have like a uh, each Yakuza game will have like a uh, sort of business management quest and this one you're like running the worst most bottom of the barrel like confectionery company imaginable and they were talking (laughs) they were talking about you having to do missions where like you had to like, very successfully, like, grovel to shareholders about how poorly the company was doing. Wow. So, you know, Yakuza is still incredible. uh, Candy as a weapon. Oh, man, I've seen games that do that. Yeah, Uh, one of the the DS Atelier games had a quest line where you were um, 
helping a blacksmith in the neighboring town come to terms with his sense of manliness and his massive sweet tooth. <laughs> and the end result is that he decides to figure out a way of combining his interests and creating weaponized sugar weapons. Um, weaponized sugar equipment, yeah. So you could buy a magic magic wand that was actually a lollipop, things like that. That's, that's important. People need those. Oh, man, I was... Uh... I feel like this this kind of barely falls under RPG because like there are definitely there's RPG in it, but the the later Dead Rising games and really all of them had like some really like not so weapon choices. If it's anything like how the character was presented in Project Cross Zone, this should be really funny. Uh, I remember three. Like three is where they really decided that sometimes it doesn't even matter if it makes any sense. So like. There was a combination of, like, a traffic light and, uh, like, I think traffic light and fire extinguisher made a wizard staff that shot ice projectiles. (laughs) Like, Dead Rising got real weird at some point. (laughs) I remember two, the first time I realized how out there they were going to get with it was two has, if you find jewels and a flashlight and put them together, they turn into a lightsaber. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just like okay sure those are that's really effective by the way highly recommended they're very easy to put, get hold of man i love dead rising too uh but yeah like uh those i mean we we are talking about a game um that involves insane amounts of zombies appearing through means that we are not quite sure how they're getting to those numbers yeah yeah those numbers I remember I remember when the first Dead Rising game came out and I had some friends describing to me exactly how much it put their Xbox through and how it was like visibly vibrating and making noise trying to um, trying to account for all however many thousand individual zombies there were in the game at that point. And that was just kind of yeah. yeah, there's a there's an achievement for like for some reason they give an exact number of people that should be there, and if you kill more zombies than that, you get an achievement. Yeah, that takes forever. Don't rec- not recommended. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, just the just trying to figure out how they got that many zombies into one spot is yeah. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, everything about the zombie genre tends to require a suspension of disbelief. Massive but, yeah. suspension of disbelief. <laughs> and then, of course, you would just, in that game, you would get uh, some stuff that was like, this makes sense on, like, a very cartoon level in no other fashion. So, like, there was a very, there's a highly effective set of weapons that was glue a bunch of Bowie knives to a set of boxing gloves. And that, you know what? That worked in game. Doesn't make any that sense. That makes more sense than some stuff I've seen. I'm, yeah. Now I'm thinking Warhammer 40K's chainsaw swords. Oh yeah, they do do that. Yes, they do, and it is completely acknowledged that this is a ridiculously awful idea. But hey, cool. Uh, yeah, so those are those are some favorites in terms of ridiculous weapons. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah. I mean, I, I have the feeling that if we just took a deep dive into Warhammer's lore, we would find far, 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 far more many um, examples, just because that's how that and that series rolls. Yeah, but I know. It's, I've I don't met really want to dive that deep. Yeah. I've met some huge 40k fans, and yeah, I would absolutely uh, believe that based on some of the things they've said. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not invite that kind of annoyance into our lives. Fair, fair. But, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of other questions, and I don't know how much I want to just sit around talking about <laughs> PS5 as the problem. <laughs> no, I mean, um, the three questions that are on episode 164... Did you guys get those last week too? Did, is uh, the, let me check. Let me check just to make sure. We did see one sixty four one point, but um, these three questions were posted on June tenth in the early morning. Oh, then we absolutely wouldn't have gotten those. Yeah. Uh, so okay, check. we got at least three more questions. Yep, we can survive. Uh, with the new, these are from Crawl. The news slash rumor still be to, to be confirmed at time of writing that Persona 4 Golden is coming to PC. Do you think there's still any roadblocks to a mainline Persona title coming to Switch? Is Atlas just worried about sales cannibalizing Shin Megami Tensei 5? I don't think they're dumb enough to think that a game from 8 slash 12 years ago could cannibalize the new game that they're making. I figure that if that does come out on PC, it's coming out on like five other game uh, platforms. Because that's how, like, Sega's parent company has sort of handled things. Like, that's how they did it with Yakuza, is that, like, it came to PC, and then it started coming to PC, Xbox One, and, like, now it's just a platform agnostic franchise. Uh, I would imagine that that's what they'll be building up to with Persona. Uh, But, yeah, I sincerely doubt that, certainly with Golden, I doubt there's any roadblocks to that showing up on whatever that could show up on freaking android and it wouldn't surprise me i might be surprised that they were able to fit it on android but uh, i've seen i've seen more ambitious ports for less sensical reasons mm-hmm. but yeah like I, I don't see them doing that because honestly if they were going to make uh shin megami tensei games on iOS and Android, they would probably just make a gotcha game that I would be a little sick to look at. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that I mean, there's any... Con- oh, good. I was going to say, I, I remember playing Operation e- um, Aegis on phones years ago. It was a PlayStation 3, or sorry, Persona 3 spin-off game. It was kind of huh. weird. Never heard of that. It must be... It must have just yeah, it never was... gotten talked about in, the, in English. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sure I mentioned it at some point on, on Japanimonium, but it was basically it was set during the the summer vacation sequence yeah. in Persona Three, where for um, as it turns out, in the middle of that vacation sequence, everyone was having weird dreams, and that turned out to be a dream dungeon to explore. Well, that does sound like the sort of thing that they would pull out to. Like, normally they would just make that bonus content for a re-release, but that does sound like something that you would do for, like, a cell phone spinoff. Yeah. And, strangely enough, it it looked and played very similarly, to, and at least in the dungeons, to Persona 3. Hmm. Um, I mean, not 
terribly well, but you could tell what they were trying to do. It was recognizable at the very least. Yes. Yeah. Other than that, can't really say anything. Um, hmm. Hmm. Um, and also, I'm not sure if Atlas is ever worried about sales cannibalization from their own items. Yeah, I feel it's, like they're pretty much of the attitude that they just release something and like it can theoretically sell on a digital platform forever. So, yeah. I mean. I, I would be shocked if there's any concern about cannibalization, especially given that I would imagine that at this stage, since we haven't heard about it this year, SMT5 is likely a 2021 game at the soonest. But, yeah. That, and it should also be probably remembered that, uh, like with most things on Steam, uh, this is mostly a sop to the Western market and doesn't really mean too much for their Japanese operation. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, another uh, question from Kroll: Are RPGs better with mini games in them? And what if that excludes card games? From someone who became completely engrossed by Gwent and The Witcher Two. Uh, well, good because I don't like card games. Uh, <laughs> one day wheels will come back and fire back, but uh, I like mini I games. Mean- <laughs> I mean, it depends on how well integrated it is into the game. True, true. Um, and, I mean, that that doesn't necessarily mean necessary to play. In fact, I generally think they're better if they're not necessary. Yeah. But, I mean, like, the Yakuza series is... I mean, part of the, part of the appeal of that series is just that you can just go and do stuff. Yeah, really. And if you don't want to, go ahead and go back to playing the normal game where you. Hmm. Okay, I can't hear you again. Uh, hello, 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 hello. Did you cut out again? I guess. Uh, for you, maybe. Well, I hope not for everyone. Yeah, I guess we'll find out once Wales gets back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I would generally say that many games, like, the nice thing about something like Yakuza is that those mini games are fun and they add a little bit of texture, but they're also not the core experience and you can just sort of if you're not feeling them just not play them and never run into them yep okay sorry about that mild electrocution yeah uh the more that you are compelled to play something you don't actually want to, the worse off you'll be. <laughs> Pretty much. Which is why uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep can have one of the most baffling minigames I've ever seen, and it doesn't bother me, even though I would like never to play it. Why was my, why was like that weird Monopoly clone in there? We'll never know. 
it's an option in the main menu, and if you never touch it, the game does not care. Then, of course, there are mini games that I would consider integral to the identity of the games. Like, this is on my mind since FF7 Remake is still fairly fresh, but I mean, I would not. Uh, I would not feel like FF7 was quite the same game without the stupidity of things like the the squats mini game. <laughs> Yeah, I, first I was thinking Blitzball in Final Fantasy X, where that is yeah. completely integral to the experience. Yeah, and I hate it. I hate it real bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the game, they don't make you play it beyond the, the actual story points. Yeah, although it's required to make Waka effective. But... Yeah, but um, I mean, that's mainly if you're aiming for the uber bosses at the end as well. Really, really have to do it. Yeah. But yeah, that for me, that's an example of a reasonably well done uh, mini game thing. There is where it is necessary to a certain extent, and then you don't have to worry about it afterwards. Hmm. Yeah. Just just don't make it central to the game's flow. Because then, like, the entire game is bottlenecked around how entertaining is the minigame. Yeah. And, I mean, like, if, if people want to sit down and play Gwent for 20 hours, that's fine. The game sure isn't going to make them do that in Witcher, so... No harm, no foul. Okay, well, different thing. How do you feel when publishers take out minigames from, um, during localization for various reasons including they don't think that the new audience will get it there are times where i can see that uh especially with things that is that are poorly explained in the original game because they're based off of real games that the audience is not going to understand but yeah i'm I thinking mean, of um like the devil summoner Rido games that had a mahjong mini game that you could unlock yeah, Mahjong tends to be one of those things that's like, I can kind of see why you cut this, because the rules for Mahjong, I've never, I cannot get my head around them. I've tried several times. <laughs> and it's especially a problem, at least in the West, because some people will be familiar with Mahjong, but different rule sets of Mahjong. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, important. I know that uh, Nintendo's recent like board game collection does have japanese style mahjong and has a tutorial for it but the tutorial is like half people saying i don't understand how this works and this is a very confusing rule set so mm. i'm not sure what the <laughs> expected purpose for that was but yeah uh or uh, some of the more interesting mini games that were removed from uh, Yakuza games. Yeah, there was there. I think the most understandable of all was like a kanji trivia one that got removed from one of them. Well, I was thinking of the Hostess Club mini games myself, but yes. Oh man, 
that was a weird circumstance because they removed the actual hanging out of the hostess club but kept in like the dates you get afterwards so you just like every time you go to the smile burger in that game like you'll just find a lady that wants to go on a date and it's like where did this come from <laughs> it's a very strange like half measure to try to keep the most interesting part of the content i can understand why people wanted the hostess club bit even though i find those to be just dreadfully tedious but uh, it's I guess it's moot because the most recent re-release of Yakuza 3 added back in all of that stuff, including, I believe, the kanji minigame. <laughs> so, you know. So if you want to you're practice to, kanji, you can. In case, in case you're trying to brush up. Man, that just reminds me how irritated I was today. I was uh, looking at the compound Senjitsu for, like, the other mm-hmm. day. And I... I had never seen that reading of the day kanji before. What, Kino and Senjutsu? Yes, the Jitsu reading for uh, for the day yeah. kanji was the one I'd never seen before. Yeah, you, you find it in some combinations like um, Kyushitsu, Kyujitsu or Kyushitsu is day off. Hmm. I guess it's just one of those ones you have to keep in your memory. Yeah, I mean... You said Senjitsu, and I mean the usual reading is Kino. Yeah. So that's one reason me. why you probably wouldn't think of it to begin with. Yeah, I've heard Kino before. I guess uh, Senjitsu is just one of the other readings that I guess is still considered valid, but isn't used yeah, very I mean, often. Yeah, that, that is how you would pronounce the the word if you're just imagining it um, based on mm-hmm. um, the kanji. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, usually yeah. when I hear uh, Kino, I think it means more specifically just like yesterday. Yeah. Or I've seen claims, although I can't prove them, I've seen claims that Senjitsu can mean more like an abstract, like a previous day, if not necessarily specifically. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. issue being that they are, in fact, pronounced the same way. I mean, spelled They're the same the way. Exact same way. They're the, they are different readings of both of the same kanji. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah Kino reads a little more easy for me just because it's like well I suppose that kind of fits with Kyo so uh, that's neither here nor there I was just irritated by it <laughs> yeah Kanji it's it's uh, weirdly complicated well not that weirdly complicated but oh. it is complicated oh. <laughs> If you want fun, I have currently like, oh, let's see, I got like a total of three hundred student names. I need to be able to remember how to read. Uh, I mean, how some many of name kanji are there? There's year. like eight hundred. Hmm? How many name kanji are there? There's like eight or nine hundred. A lot. I remember looking this uh, up. But, there's I mean, like... these are last names, so it gets even weirder at times. Oh boy, because oh yeah, because they're all probably super old and using old readings. Only some of them, actually. Not as many as you would think. But I do have one young man in, uh, I guess it would be uh, eighth grade. Yeah. Who, his family name is, or his family's from Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. And it is quite likely that his surname only exists within his immediate area. (laughs) Um, Because it is one of those rare, rare surnames that are completely ateji, which is like fiat naming. Hmm. Where they take a concept or um, 
like a poetic idea, and yeah. then they assign a set of kanji to it that have nothing to do with the pronunciation. They just like I've the only concepts seen, the kanjis represent. Yes, so I've seen, I've I've heard of a few names like this. This is the only one I have ever seen for real. Mm-hmm. And so his family name is Watanuki. Mm-hmm. And Watanuki, in this case, would mean, um, like, take off cotton clothes. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's saying the time of the year when you put away your winter clothing and you start up with the summer clothing. Yeah, like just the beginning of summer as a concept. Yeah. Which, um, in the old Japanese calendar, would have been the first day of the fourth month, which, again, by Japanese calendar, would also be the middle of May. Mm. Because it's a because little... Because months were longer. <laughs> yeah. So the kanji that they used to write this name, I mean, I, I looked at the student list and then I found the kid and asked him point blank, how do you pronounce your name? Because I sure as heck know that it is not April 1st. <laughs> because that, that is how they spell the name. Shigatsu Suitachi. Four month, one day in kanji. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah that's the... That's the First and last and only one where I simply took a look and was like, no, um, I have no chance of reading this correctly. I'm just going to ask right now. Yeah, I can see why you wouldn't just uh, go with your gut. And I can see why you would av- go with your gut and avoid pronouncing their name as just April 1st. So oddly enough, I had more trouble with these two girls in the same class where they both had the same kanji at the start. Yeah. Except one of them was Motomatsu and the other one was Honmura. Okay, and, yeah, I see how that happened. And unfortunately, Motomura and Honmatsu are also possible name readings. <sighs> yep, yep. So I kept getting them mixed up for the entire year. I would ask the partner teacher to verify which one is correct, and she would get it wrong occasionally. <laughs> I would hope that they were taking it in good humor. Um, I, I made a very dramatic apology every single time it happened. That's wise. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was looking this up, and like, I guess there's like a name for like the official like name kanji. It's Chinmeo or something, but yeah, um, yeah. There's also the Nanori pronunciations, which can get oh, anywhere gosh. between one and five pronunciations per kanji. <laughs> it's just you just have to accept that uh, with kanji, you're going to be learning something new all your life. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, when I first started at this high school, one of my yeah. first part teachers. Um, for the first, for like three months, I couldn't remember how to pronounce her name properly. Mm-hmm. Because, as it turns out, the second kanji of her name had like eight different pronunciations, all related, <laughs> very similar. Um, mm-hmm. Hara, bara, haru, baru, uh, those mm-hmm. are the four main ones. And so her name was actually so easy, I could not remember which possible pronunciation it was supposed to be. Is it definitely is it one of these, but there's too many to pick Ohara, from? Ohara, Ohara, what in the world is it? It turns out it's Obara. But, mm. yeah. but this is not the kind of thing that you want to admit to your partner teacher. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Comes off rude when you just say it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just the, like, it fascinates me, the, uh, the business of, like keeping track of and standardizing the Japanese language. I was looking at like uh, when they uh, officially took the kana for like we and 
uh, way out of the Silivarians, like 1946, I think. Yeah, anyway, yeah, but um, the last time you really saw it in use officially was back during the Taisho period, right before the war started. Yeah. Um, I mean, it ex- it's still... Um, Yay still exists in the advertising for at least two or three products I know of, mm-hmm. and so does we. Yeah, it's used in like fanciful typography. I think we I've heard is used mostly for whiskey. Uh, that's one of the two companies I know for it. Nika Whiskey uses that con that um, hiragana or katakana, and so does Marui Gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the Yay sound is most commonly found in Ebisu beer. Mm, that would make sense, yeah. And these are all companies that existed before they really stopped using those um, kana. Yeah. Um, you could, s- you might still be able to find a name that uses them, a prop, a person's name, but most of these people are either ninety to one hundred years old or dead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they usually, how often it, would they even be the, using those kana to spell their names anyway? No, I mean those are often the original official spellings. Oh, wow. um, just like the uh, the. The hiragana wo, which is only grammatical now, used to yeah. be a common man's name ending, but it's now just pronounced or written as o instead. Yeah. So, like the name Matsuo, since it has oh. a slight w. I mean, these those kind of were can... specifically to show um, vowel elision, um, how it mm-hmm. you slide between one sound to the other. Mm-hmm. But I um, guess it was decided that it just people were just going to do that naturally. Yeah, I mean, it was it was decided it wasn't really needed for um, for notation, and so they ended up cutting the first two and leaving "wo" specifically because it's um, grammatically useful. Yeah, um, I feel like "wa" barely. I, I barely see that anywhere either. Yeah, "wo," uh, "wa," like "wa" outside of like oh. you know you use "ha" as a "wa" in grammatical particles. I'm not sure why that's the case. But no, no, no. Um, wa, I mean, wa- watashi. Yeah, watashi is the one I can think of. Um, yeah. There is a sizable section of the dictionary that starts with wa. Fair enough, fair enough. I guess so, that's why um, that got to survive, whereas the rest of them got eliminated. Yeah, it, is, it was like, of the set, it was the only, um, I mean, of the six we're talking, or, yeah, of the six we're talking about here, um, ya, yu, yo, and wa are the only ones that can actually exist independently in Japanese phonetics. Yeah. Yi, ye, we, wei, and wo can't. You would never, like, start a word with that, it, because it's, like, it's to symbolize that you have moved from one sound to another. I mean, no, I mean, it's acknowledging that there is a slight what or yet mm-hmm. in between two vowels, if you say them fast enough. Mm-hmm. Like, marui. Yeah. You can you hear, hear where w that wa sound would come from. Yeah. Um, but like ye in particular, any mm-hmm. word in English that begins with a ye, like yield, year, mm-hmm. any of those are considered shibboleths in Japanese because they cannot pronounce them to save their life. Yeah, oh, that explains some things. Yeah. If you want to make a Japanese person sweat, ask them to pronounce the word year. They You're going to get a lot of very strangled pronunciations that end up sounding like ear. Yes. I mean, even my wife has trouble with that, and she's tried really hard with it, and yeah. she sometimes just gives up. I mean, if it's something that you haven't been taught to make that sound your entire life, it's very hard. <laughs> yeah. 
But the, um, but the thing is, a lot of Japanese expatriates in the late 19th, early 20th centuries kept um, those kana in their names. Hmm. And when they got when they were naturalized into other countries, the people filling out the naturalization papers did not always re- realize that for yi, ye, wei, wei, um, the symbols could be a Y or a W. Mm. Which is how we have Hawaiian, um, the late Hawaiian senator Ino Ye, hmm. when actually the name, the family name is pronounced Ino Way. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Things like that. Um, this is also why in English we spell yin with a y. Yeah. Because yin um, was always a suffix. And mm. most of the time when you go from any of the number kanji to the n suffix, it's going to make a bit of a w sound. Mm-hmm. So they use the the we kana, except everyone else read it as ye because they didn't re- realize multiple pronunciations. And so you end up with yin in almost every writing. Huh. When it's actually closer to Wan from Korean. Mm. Technically, it's also close to Yuan from Chinese, but yeah. No one would want to admit that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it is, it's part of the etymology of the kana, or the kanji. Yeah, definitely. So they will admit that quite freely. Fair enough, fair enough. But, Yeah. Well, thanks for indulging that. That's uh, something I've been thinking about. <laughs> oh, no worries, no worries. This is something I have explained many times in the past to various people, just because <laughs> people want to know. Um, apparently, there also used to be a woo kind of, which is even rarer. Yeah, no, I've definitely never been able to... F- like, I've looked for it before, and I've never been able to find what it even looked like. Yeah. And... For a different fun uh, thing, apparently back in the 19th century, they used to use uh, um, like the the R line of kana with a round accent mark to show L. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen claims that that is technically possible to do, though they might not, though a person it, might not know what you were getting at. It's not possible to type it in under any mm. form of uh, word entry um, in Japanese anymore, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I did use that line of kana, uh, katakana with both accent marks to demonstrate a difference between R and L in English, because neither of those are the same as the la in Japanese. Yeah, like that's the, um, when you were talking about how like Japanese people can't really deal with the year sound. Like all I could think yeah. is like, yeah, well, English speak English speakers can't really get that like half L half R sound without tons of practice. With a touch of D in it, yeah. Um, yeah. But or also like for the th sounds in English, I was using the s line and the t line with uh, the little round accent marks to show the two the th and the sounds. Mm-hmm. And this is with elementary schoolers. I was doing mm-hmm. this. Some of my little elementary schoolers were actually able to make and differentiate the two th sounds by the end of the year. Oh wow! Just just because just because they had a visual aid to show that there was a difference in the sound in that word for the for their own kind of notation that makes sense like you yeah. <laughs> otherwise it just seems like it arbitrarily changes sound sometimes it, exactly which is why that's the still, sound i'm making <laughs> that's why i still try to use those um those um that distinctions and weird katakana rules in class yeah, sometimes I've just seen that- to 
yeah, just to oh. make sure the students realize that there is a difference, even though um, I've had some students say, oh, like, that's impossible, Ari and I, and I'm like, hi, hi, Ari and I, demo, sono, hatsuomo, Ari and I, this pronunciation is impossible in Japanese, too, so we're using impossible katakana. <laughs> There's a. I remember seeing like something I'd never seen before a few, like a few days ago. That was just like, it was. I forget what was being used. It was like the katakana iuao, but with like that sort of circle diacritic to mark as like a va sound. It was very, very strange. It's um, the katakana u u u. Yeah. A ten ten. The double dash mark. Oh, it's a ten ten that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. That one's been used for a V sound since probably the 80s hmm. in mecha anime originally, mecha manga. Oh, that would make sense. That's because, the place that um, yeah, because they need it. <laughs> yeah, because they used, um, I mean, the mecha genre has always liked to borrow German-sounding names. Yep. And so the, uh, the U with the Tenten is part of how the, they managed to write a word like Zwei, yep. the number two in German, into katakana. And so from there, it kind of filtered into Japanese RPGs in general. Um, the first one, I, the first one I can think of that actually used it a lot was um, Tactics Ogre. Hmm. The main oh, character's name was Vice, and he used that. They used that kana in his name. Hmm. And I know it was used in Romancing Saga three as well. I'm not sure which one came first, however. That would be around so, the same time, yeah. Uh, so let's say about 1994, 1995. Yeah. Uh, for definite attribution, and quite likely earlier, mm. in into the eighties. But yeah, that one—I would have never guessed where that, that had actually come from. <laughs> that one became common enough, quite possibly because of Gundam, um, that it is now possible to do it in um, text entry in Japanese. If you write V O into um, into Japanese a Jap text entry. Um, into Japanese thing, it will do that. That's incredible. Yeah. But it's one of the few that will. Yep, I just did it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you if you use the letter L and L in a vowel, it'll make a small version of that vowel instead. Oh, I can see why that would be the case. Yeah. So anyway, should we welcome somebody back? Hello. Yeah, it appears our illustrious friend is back. What's going on? Hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went on a long tangent about Japanese because I was irritated about a weird reading that I found. Nice. Not exactly yep. found. I mean, it's like, it's it's not a super crazy, although it's an unlikely reading. <laughs> but, yeah. The thing is, it, thing is by, Jap by the Japanese reading rules, it's, it should be more likely than the actual reading of the kanji. Yeah, the actual reading is even it's much weirder. I mean, the actual reading is a teji. Uh, yeah. Basically, they they had a Japanese word with this meaning, and they assigned the kanji to it, regardless of the act of the regular pronunciation of this kanji. That happens a lot with a lot of basic Japanese words. So, okay, but yes, okay, we have nerded out enough on this topic. How are you doing? Else? Not too bad. Keep Prices averted. What's that? Yes, mostly. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that phrase. Mostly here. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've we've hit a number of questions, but we needed to slide back and discuss some PlayStation Five. Spider Man. Miles Morales. Spider Man. Spider -Man. Oh yeah, I just saw that on, twi on Twitter. Yeah. Cool. 
Uh, I'm glad that Miles Morales gets to be in there. Supposedly this holiday, so... Yeah. It's like he's the main character on this, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, like you're playing as Miles Morales this time, which is fun. They they built up to it in the last one, but I'm glad that they had the wherewithal to actually go for it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm beyond excited. I was not expecting a follow up this soon. Yeah, this must have been in development like at least a year before PS4 Spider Man shipped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's almost assuredly just using the same map because I mean, why not? Yeah. So uh, this is probably not like a full on Spider Man two. Kind of Spider Man two because I mean, Spider Man games are just going to take yeah, place in New York. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you have two characters who are definitely going to be going over the same real estate, it does not make sense to completely reinvent that real estate. Sure. I mean, that's how Yakuza games kept coming out so fast. It's just like, well, they're all going to reuse Kamurocho. I, I mean, <laughs> I'd, <all> <laughs> I, I'd be fine with with uh, Spider-Man games coming out at that pace. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Insomniac seems to have its plate full, given they announced two games for the thing. Yeah, and that new Ratchet and Clank clank game looks uh pretty sweet it's weird that they're like making a direct continuity tie to the last uh non-movie one yeah it's now eight years old i think <laughs> well i think there were hints at that in, in the actual remake game as as well maybe it's been it's been a few years yeah but yeah, I mean, like, there's there's only so much rat and ch- Ratchet and Clank I need in my life, but, I mean, it's at least been long enough since the movie game that I could probably play another one. Yeah, <laughs> no, and that was a fine remake, too, so... Yeah. Which, did I believe, it did really well, so I was kind of surprised it, it sold, took this it long. Sold, it sold way better than the movie did. Yeah. It's a decent movie, people. Go watch, watch it's it It's fine, but, I mean, I don't think enough people cared about Ratchet and Clank. I'm sorry. No. no. Uh, that reminds me of like Sony had real ambitious plans for that and they were going to do a Sly Hoover movie which was announced at the same time and mysteriously disappeared when the Ratchet and Clank movie failed yeah funny how that works uh but yeah otherwise uh, uh it was a pretty good uh reveal the machine's butt ugly <laughs> <laughs> Wheels can attest that, like, the second that that thing actually showed up, like, I was sending, we were messaging in Discord, and I just sent him the message, oh my god, it's hideous. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it, it just looks, somebody, um, somebody compared it to, like, the, the helmet from that failed Halo killer, what was it called, Haze or something? Oh man, Haze, <laughs> I can kind of see where that comes from. Uh, I saw a bunch of people say that it looks like Iron Man's house, or that it looks like a tower that a tech billionaire would live in. Yep. Uh, it's, it very much feels like someone trying very hard to look like the future and failing really badly by looking really weirdly dated. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I uh, think kind of all of the PlayStations at this point are ugly, so... Yep. Uh, my brother, who is uh, crazily anti-Microsoft, was trying to tell me it looks cooler than the Series X, which I was having none of. Yes. I will take a neat-looking box over... Um, Whatever is going on there. Yeah. But yeah, it's not like it matters. The 
design of the box means nothing. Oh, no, it's... It is one of those things where it's just like, this is ugly. I'm yeah. sorry, guys. No, it's... Honestly, I could care less. It's like, where do I insert my Spider-Man disc? I don't care about <laughs> Oh, you might not be able to. No, I'm not buying that edition. Come on now. <laughs> Neither am I. I don't trust them. Uh, that, uh, that all-digital edition, they, uh... Listen, guys, if you're going to sell it for anything less than $200 less, like the amount of money you're going to lose out on by the fact that digital games don't go on sale as deeply or as consistently as physical ones is going to be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, it was otherwise good. Uh, Wheels, you're probably the one to talk about the, Dark, the Demon Souls remastered. Yeah, so... It looks nice. Uh, I'm all for more like Souls anything. Uh, mm -hmm. The Demon Souls is kind of a mess that we all really uh, gravitated to because it was something new and interesting. It's been improved on by basically all of its success. Right. So and my I don't think they'll be changing it enough to bridge that gap. Yeah. Like. It needs a complete re rework. If they're just gonna like gussy it up and make it pretty, then I mean, I'm gonna play Given it. Given Bluepoint's work on Shadow of the Colossus, I'm inclined to say that that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Which I mean, technically, it's unimpeachable. I mean, like I've definitely seen people with, who take issue with the art design, and that's neither here nor there. But I mean, I'm sure they'll do good work on it. But yeah, but, it's just gonna be Demon Souls again. Yeah, then that's that's not enough. Like that, yeah. that that game had a boss that is like a giant slime thing that you could just stand on a ledge and throw stuff at. <laughs> Which I think there are several giant slime things. Some of them don't have ledges. Yeah, lunches. no, no, that's. And you know, you there were some cool there were some cool moments in there that suggest maybe they're doing a lot, but I I need to see more before I'm convinced that it's not. I've seen people taking particular issue with the redesign of the Flame Lurker. Why? <laughs> uh, mostly they like the old one and the thing, think the new one looks too much like this is just a generic demon. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's kind of the issue you're going to run into and more likely to be what people end up complaining about with this re-release is just that <laughs> while they changed the... like While trying to make the game prettier, they made the art look too clean. But... That's going to be definitely a grognard sort of complaint. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, did anybody else just hear um, Dave blink out for about five seconds? No. Okay, just happened again. <laughs> well, on the bright side, that means that likely what I was saying got recorded, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've just been randomly not hearing him for like five seconds at a time... Like four or five times so far. I'm sorry. <laughs> Microsoft technology turning on us because we're talking about PlayStation. I think. I think it's more just because they're just waiting for the point where they can kill Skype and turn it into Teams. Uh, That's fine. Teams is good. But as long as it's not Skype for business. I can't believe that those are allowed to coexist at the same time without one of them being killed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, surprise of the reveal sets for me was that Annapurna game called Stray where you are a cat 
with a backpack wandering around a post-apocalyptic city. Sold. We'll buy ten. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's absolutely... Is that one on? Uh, that it's definitely not exclusive. It's probably going like they didn't announce it as a PS5 exclusive, so I'd imagine that will be PS5, PC, and we'll see about everything else. Stray video game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, New Horizon looks amazing. Horizon Two. It's like Forbidden oh, it's, West, I think. It's already Forbidden on West, Steam. Yeah. Yeah. It must be already. It must be uh, listed it, on Steam. It's listed on Steam. Release date next year. Yeah, it's supposed to be a 2021 game, but yeah, it it looked. Listen, you can get me to go through a lot if you put a cat in a backpack on the front. Um, yeah. Strays yeah. developed by a small team from south of France, mostly made of cats and a handful of humans. <laughs> listen, I trust them. I trust those cats. Yeah, yeah, that looked very cute. I was into that. Um, Ghostwire Tokyo looked neat. Mm-hmm. I'm a big uh, Shinji Mikami fan. Uh, does not look like much of a horror game, but I mean, it doesn't have to be. It looked neat. Uh, sure looked a lot like throwing fireballs at ghosts in Tokyo, the game. So, <laughs> uh, let's see. What else did we have? Uh, Deathloop looked fun. Mm. But like basically everything that I saw that I liked other than Spider-Man was something that will be coming out on other things, so I don't have to worry too yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not worried at all. I feel like the weirdest thing was how many games were 2021. Like, this is going to be a pretty thin launch, I feel like. Yeah. Also, the funniest, funniest thing. Wales, were you there at the beginning of the broadcast? Yeah. How much did did you laugh as much as I did when they started with Grand Theft Auto V coming to PS5, a game that has been out for, at this point, by that point, it will have been out for eight years. And it's not coming out at launch. Yeah. This port of a PS3 game will not be out on PS5 at launch. Well, the funny thing is, I, I am not a... Grand Theft Auto player, so it took a while before I realized that it wasn't they weren't this revealing... This was not a new game. Yes, it took a while before I realized they weren't revealing uh, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 6. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're showing GTA 5. They they started with the Rockstar logo. Why would you start with anything other than Grand Theft Auto 6? That'll blow the roof off. And then it's yeah. like, no, it's Grand Theft Auto 5 again. <laughs> and it's taken its final form. Uh, it's a free-to-play game now. Ugh. Because now you can just get GTA online without paying for it. Mm. Incredible. Hey, Resident Evil 8. Oh, I'm super into that, but I mean, that's known. I'm a huge mark for Resident Evil, and uh, RE7 left me waiting to see where the story goes next, even though the story's dumb as hell. (laughs) And they've continued the attempt to keep the numeral buried somewhere in the uh, buried somewhere within the, within the name, even if it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> because this game's title is Resident Evil 8 Village. Because if you if you just you got the V and then you got the I, that's six. And then if you just highlight the line in the L's, the capital L's that they put in there, 
That's uh, that's eight. It's Resident Evil Eight Village. <laughs> I don't think that this is a tenable concept to continue doing. Mm. So probably not, but it looks insanely creepy. Oh yeah, no, it looks great. Uh, they're really trying hard to misdirect that uh, Chris Redfield, one of the protagonists since the first game, is going to be a villain in some fashion. And it's like, guys, if I, if you were going to actually do that, it wouldn't be the way you tried to sell the game. Because <laughs> if you show someone doing that before you release the video game, you can't just have that be the only thing they do in the video game. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, that'll be cute to see how they try to dance around that until, like, the 11th hour of the game, at which point you'll, he will either die uh, laying, like, 10 to 1 odds against that, or he will help you fight the final boss. Get ready. Yeah. <laughs> we still don't know the price for this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, I was speculating earlier while we were discussing it that there's no way that this thing is anything less than $500. That's fair. Uh, they're terrified of revealing the price because they don't want another $599 US dollars, so I think they're trying to soften the blow by making people want it first. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've got the games to make that work, but I can see why they're trying it. But I also feel like the longer they put it off, the more it's going to dominate the launch. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we also still don't actually know when it comes out. <laughs> uh, it's supposed to be end of this year. That's the only thing that's fairly guaranteed. But we saw games labeled as holiday 2020 and games labeled as fall 2020. Mm. Actually, we saw a game labeled as fall 2020. That was NBA 2K. <laughs> okay, so... I mean, that could just be... That's when the current gen versions of that game is coming out, and they're just only the only version they were showing. Was it? I don't know. I got nothing. There's a new Horizon game. Yes. Yeah, Horizon Two Forbidden West, I think it's called. Yep. Yeah. It looks neat. I didn't play the first one. I'll get around to it someday. (gasps) Dude, you knew this. I told you. I know. Don't you hear me? <laughs> Said not to do that. <laughs> well, Wheels is dead now. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that, that, looks, that looks fun, but I didn't play the original, so I haven't got a lot of reason to get too excited about that. It's very cool and very nice to have a different sort of uh, post, post-apocalyptic game. It's not just, oh, there were nukes. I had already forgotten they announced a Little Big Planet spinoff. Yeah. God, I that quite such a it does bad good. design. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Uh, I'm trying to look at I'm looking at our conversation to try to remember uh, what was actually shown there was that uh, oh Kenna that looked kind of neat yep I don't know who's making that but it was it had a nice art style like it could be fun that's about it it's uh there's there's some good looking stuff on there but nothing that felt like 
the reason you will purchase this object. So. Yeah. There was one game that was marked as 2022. That weird Capcom game, I think it was yeah. Pragma- Pragmata? Yep. And it was just like, when I, I didn't know, see the Capcom logo before that, so I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and after I found out that it was Capcom, I was still like, what the hell is this? Capcom. <laughs> oh, Oddworld. Oh yeah, Oddworld, but that's that's probably coming to like PS4 and Xbox as well. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but it looks pretty sweet. Oh yeah, no, I love Oddworld, so I was already guaranteed to purchase that, but it's again, it's not really a PS5 game in my mind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> goodbye, Volcano High. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one didn't look like my taste, but it seemed like something that will have a following. I don't really know what it is. It looked like it some sort of uh, visually novelty construct. Yeah. Social sim sort of thing. But, yeah. Okay, it didn't look like my taste, but I'm sure it'll have a good following. Yeah. Uh, they showed some Godfall, but we've already seen that. And also, I don't care. <laughs> It's Gearbox, I don't trust them. But why? Because Borderlands is boring. Yeah, you're terrible. Sorry that I think Diablo is bad and its progeny is worse. (laughs) You want me to keep going? I got a million of them. How dare you besmirch the good name of Minecraft Dungeons. Listen, I've never played Minecraft Dungeons. I'm sure he's a good man. But also, I don't care. <laughs> well, I think we actually still had one last question on episode 164. We should hit that, yeah. Uh, make a case for... I was waiting for Wheels to get back for this one because I was not going to be capable of uh, answering this. Make a case for another Pokemon Conquest. Do and I to have... that, I just hold up a copy of Pokemon Conquest. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. The question is, um, which war-torn period should it actually be based on? Mm. Uh, you know you want to bring back Liberty or Death, Koei. Yeah, but... <laughs> actually, okay, that's probably the least problematic of some of the one choices they can make. Just because... Could mm. you imagine Pokemon Conquest World War II edition where they had to make somebody Hitler? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Don't want to know what Hitler's partner, partner Pokemon is. I feel like if they or were going to do anything... Civil War-based one. It would be much more likely that they would have given. They would be much more likely to use Romance of the Three Kingdoms if it was going to be anything. Yeah, but they used that for Yokai Watch. They did. Oh, so that's the rivalry here. Yeah. So they should just bring that game over then. <laughs> that one too, yes. I'm sure there was a time when that made sense. No, not there, sure when no it was. there wasn't. Probably, it was there probably was, a, there was, there was probably a, a one-week period right after the TV show launched that it made sense. I, I, honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> it's dead in the water from the beginning. Yeah. That whole project had an audience of me, and I think that's about it. <laughs> I'm still going to buy you guy watch for fine. Uh-huh. You'll buy it again. Yeah, probably. But yeah, after after that you start running into conflicts where it's like this is too recent or too problems. Mm-hmm. In conclusion, they need to mix Pokemon with Giren's greed. It's <laughs> uh, an object with an audience for no one, but which I would think is very funny. <laughs> 
don't even know what but that yeah, is. But yeah, they really do need like, come on, Conquest again. Even yeah, for the record, just make up their own scenario. For the record, Wheels, Giran's Breed or Giran no Yabo is essentially Romance of the Three Kingdoms if you treat Gundam like real life. Oh. It's a Gundam it's, thing. It's it's Romance of the Three Kingdoms. It's a Romance of the Three Kingdoms style, like, military strategy sort of game, but with the backdrop being the original Gundam, uh, like, timeline. Uh, Which means that it had an extraordinarily specific audience in Japan. <laughs> extraordinary. I love how angry Whale sounds. <laughs> so upset. Didn't realize your antipathy for Gundam ran this heavy. No, it's fine. It's all fine. This is fine. Just gonna, just gonna sit you down and make you watch G Gundam. That's a fun Gundam. That's a not related to any of the Gundam we just spoke of. Do an important clip from G Gundam. Okay, yep, there we go. What happened to A through F Gundam? Uh, let's see. There's Turn A Gundam. Oh, Discord, why did you do this to me? That's fine. Well, Discord, oh. like, overlays other things, so I see a Discord message in Hearthstone. Good. <laughs> Super Asia? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what he's saying in Japanese, too. <laughs> There's a giant graphic that's just his face in front of the words Super Asia. <laughs> Super Asia, okay. I missed something. What? Oh, I was, ta I was yelling at wheels about uh, G Gundam, which I don't know if you have any context for. But there is a character running around that show that's just named Master Asia. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, like, at one point, he starts talking about how, like, once his villainous plan succeeds, he will uh, ascend beyond that to become Super Asia. <laughs> the show uh, never acknowledges that he might have a different name. Like, it, even though Master Asia sounds like it must be a title, it never acknowledges that he might have a name. <laughs> He is He's Master Asia, Asia from... Of course. But, yeah. Uh, G Gundam is good. Recommended. But is it sequel H Gundam any good? Uh, no, that's a very different thing. <laughs> Uh, what were we talking about? Pokemon Conquest? Yeah. Uh, I, I reviewed that game. I think I gave it a four. It just, it, I wrote the impression for it. <laughs> it. It merits its own sequel. Just make the yes, same it thing. Does. Just make more of the same get gussied up even better. They brought back Mystery Dungeon. They can bring back Conquest. Yeah. Yes. See, I'm trying to think of what Gundams have letters at this point. It's not as many as you might think. There's V Gundam. Huh? New. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of Greek ones. Greek letters. They got Greek letters. <laughs> yeah, there's the new Gundam. There's the... There's Zeta Gundam. There's double Zeta Gundam. 
Yeah, ZZ. Uh, there's technically an F Gundam, but it's also followed by a 91, so... Hmm. Uh, there's the, again, there's the Turn A Gundam. Uh, yeah, there's, there's... Usually Gundam goes much stranger with its names than, say, your average Super Robot Wars that just picks a particularly powerful sounding consonant. Oh, there's, there's Gundam X. Uh, that one got cancelled in Japan that was not a popular Gundam Gundam Ace uh, there's Gundam Age hmm. that one's not very good uh, uh, Gundam Wing really prominent makes that W prominent so we'll count that this is really going off the rails. Yep. On a crazy train, no less. Going up the oh. rails on a crazy train. Yes. But, yeah, um... So, yeah, uh, anything else that we would have wanted Wheels to be in on discussion of? Uh, let's jump back to... Um, the... Wait for embargo dates to end, and then we shall discuss more. Oh, yeah, me and Wheels, we're also probably going to end up discussing some of the Outer Worlds. Uh, I need to get going soonish. Okay, so... We could probably, you probably don't want to hear too much Outer World discussion anyway, since that's probably not that interesting to you. <laughs> I've, I've already been zoning out for a while here. Yeah. Fair, fair. Uh, make a plug, and then you can, then you are free. <laughs> okay. Well, of course, uh, got got to plug the the um, story series Princesses of the Pizza Parlor on Kindle, Kindle Unlimited. Um, I did the free book. Um, deal for the first one about two, three weeks ago and managed to give away... I was actually successful in giving away something this time, which is better than the last time I tried this. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, that, trust me, there, there's nothing worse than the feeling that you can't actually give away something for free. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of waiting for uh, people to be interested enough to go forward the second book in this or second episode in the series and actually start making up some lost revenue for marketing again here's um, to hoping oh yeah i mean i know there's no way i'm going to be selling enough copies to make back everything i've invested in this ever um but uh yeah hopefully you can develop a following yeah yeah well we we shall hope we shall hope i bought a book yeah i know you did thank you <laughs> <laughs> have you read it no one day, but I mean o- that was I, over a year and a half ago, dude. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I just recently ordered part two. Oh, <laughs> hopefully, oh, you're this... the one who did that. Okay, yes. cool. vote of confidence. Yes, no, I'm gonna try and actually start reading books again soon, so that viewers will be uh, at the top of my list. Yeah, I I've had been reading. Okay, had something pop up for paperback royalty. I'm like, wait a moment, what? <laughs> <laughs> who did that? There we go, May 29th. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've started reading uh, 
MIT book about the Turbo Graphics. That'll be fun. Maybe I'll talk about that next week. <laughs> Listen, the Turbo Graphics 16 may not have been successful in the U.S., but it's still weird, and I still love it. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. We all love really weird game things sometimes, or all the time in this podcast. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm proud to say that I got hold of the TurboGrafx 16 Mini before they became ungodly expensive in the U.S. They are uh, currently on Amazon, going for double their original price, which they were available for two weeks ago. Only double. Oh. It is obscure, but yeah. But that's a that's that's a good collection of games, so long as you want the most eclectic. Uh, set of shoot 'em ups and also for some reason Jossic and Necromancer. Huh. Oh, that one. I remember seeing that for cell phones at one point. It was a or no, it was a Project Egg update, I think. That does seem like an egg game, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I know I've seen the name somewhere before in a Japan Demonium um context, so it had to have been published republished somehow. Yeah, it seems to be one of the ones that they can easily track down who owns it, so it gets yeah. uh, to come out occasionally. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. A weird collection of games, some of them rare and expensive now. I hope one day to try to force myself through Snatcher in Japanese, see how that works out for me. <laughs> you get Eastbook 1 and 2 on there, right? Eastbooks 1 and 2 in both English and Japanese. Sadly, nice. no Donbies. No E3? No E3. Which is not a you loss. You would consider that a bonus. Yes. So all all versions of E3 are bad. No, it's incredible. Except the remake, I mean. Obviously. <laughs> I love that there are four versions of E4 and Falcon only made one of them. <laughs> <laughs> How do you? What are you feeling? What's your pre- pleasure? Donovis, uh, Mask of the Sun, Mask of the Sun, a new translation, or Memories of Calcutta? Memories of Calcutta, which just came out on PS4 it this did? past week. Yep. And it's, oh, uh, not, it's not this past week. This Tuesday. Sorry. By the time you re- you hear this, it will have yeah. been this past week. True. Sure. Yeah. Um, man. I don't think anyone's actually played that PS2 version. Uh, uh, Mask of the Sun, a new translation. That's probably for the best. It's probably not very good. Yeah. But, I mean, Mask of the Sun wasn't very good either. No. <laughs> Dawn of East is good, though. That's worth going back for. And yet another series I really should have played at some point, but nah. <laughs> I recommend... Uh, I, I think. I just have a lot of stuff to play and not nearly enough time. If you only want to play East One, that game's only like three hours long. <laughs> you make it sound tempting. Perhaps someday. Uh, PSP version's really good. Yep. I'd have uh, to get a PSP. So. Say what? I would have to get a PSP. Um, you can get it digitally on your Vita. Yeah, I just thought of that, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good version. Yeah, but there's also uh, the PSP version. Or not PSP. The, the PC version, I mean. Yeah, which is, they're both like, I think they're the East 1 and 2 Chronicles, as I believe that version's name. Mm-hmm. Those are good versions. Uh, Wheels, at the end of this, put in, uh, at the end of this, 
podcast, put in like First Step Towards War. That's a good track. Sure. I'll just I'll just go drop that in your Discord as an apology for uh, well not an apology but to cleanse your palate from Super Asia. <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. I need to get going soon. Okay. Since I, was, I technically still have one more class to teach in about yeah. an hour. Okay. Yeah, right. it's good having I, you. I shall. I shall be reading storybooks to eighth graders. I'm sure they love that. <laughs> Actually, they find it very interesting. That's um, good. We're, we're trying to do more contextualized language uh, exposure at this point. Well, oh, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, last last week was the enormous turnip. If you have ever heard that story, I don't think so. No, it's it's very common in Japanese elementary and kindergarten levels. It's just the first time they'd ever heard it in English. Yeah. So this week it's some it's some little fairy tale from Brazil that I had never heard of before, but it's kind of fun. Hmm. So, but it also means that the students have to figure out what the heck the word taper means. <laughs> and amazingly, a few of them know. <laughs> and isn't that the dream? And when I say that, hey, there are f- there are no fewer than four Pokemon based on this animal, they actually guess which ones. <laughs> so. <sighs> Speaking of which, in Pokemon Black and White, the two pink and purple dream-eating Pokemon, what were they called in English? Because I never... Uh, it was Muna, I think. Okay, so it was Muna and Mishana. Yeah. Okay, they didn't change the names at all. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think they kind of uh, went by the idea that Muna would sound like Moon, which would scan to English speakers. Yeah, instead of being the sound that you mumble in your sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So... But uh, I think me and Will still need to discuss the Outer Worlds or we'll die, so. Yes. <laughs> okay, so well, check it later. Bye-bye. See later. you. Later. So, the Outer Worlds. Yes. Uh, how do you feel about your first choice? Uh, I think I managed it pretty well. You didn't go with Spacer's choice? I did not. I went. I would say I found my way to using the persuasive persuasion skills I bumped up to the everyone is happy solution. I think, <laughs> namely the. So I I shut off the power to the um. What do they call them? Deserters. Yeah, but you tried to. And but then I convinced the the leader of the Spacer's choice to step to, down to step down and the leader the the deserters to take over. So they try to avoid that being a perfect ending in an interesting fashion because essentially uh, you can find evidence that essentially what ends up happening is that like yes everyone is still there but they're all still technically employees of Spacer's choice which is yeah. not. Uh, not the most pleasant future to think of. No, it, it's 
It's and, a complex situation. Yeah, it's and I feel like all the choices in this game are going to be like, well, there's no perfect solution to this. But what's uh, your philosophy? Yeah, uh, but the uh, the first companion you get. Why do I? Why am I forgetting her name? Parvati. Parvati. Yes, I I think she's really good. So when she she's great, yeah. So when you ask her for your opinion, she's like, well, you know, the folk in this town are just trying to do the best they can. That kind of swayed swayed me away from what I was going to do which would have been just the yes screw the stupid corporate town that's what I went for did you <laughs> and how does that turn out <laughs> uh, about how it, it turns out exactly as advertised like uh, Thompson you get a conversation with Thompson where like his brain is breaking oh jeez <laughs> like he's just like he doesn't like actually you know get violent with you or anything he's just like how could you do it like this is this was his life this is the only thing he was for he is going to submit himself for punishment because he does considers himself to deserve it yeah like he he's kind of broken by the experience uh and you know some people are just going to continue on with spacer's choice and some people are going to join the deserters and that's just sort of how it's going to have to be yeah but uh yeah parvati does not uh, hold it against you enough for it to become a problem. <laughs> oh, that's good. But yeah. Uh, she has some really good uh, character quests as well. Yeah, I'm working on her character quest. I would call it the love quest. Yeah, which it's was, a good one. Yeah, it's like, wow, I have. don't think I've ever seen anything like this in a game. This is impressive. It's rare that you see... A, I'm just going to like partially spell it out. You don't see... like partially partially but you don't see characters in games that have optional romantic interactions with non-player characters very often yeah like that is not and like the way that the game sets you in a position where it's like are you going to help her with this because she's clearly not going to be able to, she's clearly not the kind of person to be able to go forward with it on her own yeah but it's really good one of my favorite things when I first played it was that I've mentioned this before, I shortchanged myself on perception because I figured, oh, well, I can bump it back up. And you can't. If you (laughs) shortchange yourself on perception, on anything, your stats can certainly get high, but you'll never be good at making checks in it. Right. So, like, she, it was really obvious what was going on to me, the player, but my character could not see it. (laughs) So, like, I had to get really... I had to work really hard to get that quest to progress because my character was too dense to understand the nature of the quest. And, and like, what, why, like, who she was pining after and why. And so that was, that was, it was weird because, like, I, I am very dense in real life and, like, it's very easy to read a game in a way that you can't in real life. But because of that, like, I realized, oh, I accidentally made me. This is an accident, but this is what I did. I made someone who can't cue into social situations very well by accident. Oh, man. So that was the choice that I made, but I appreciated the chance to roleplay as myself in a more direct fashion. Yeah, and some of the interaction options they get are, like, harsh or just interesting or hilarious. Lots of good writing in this game. Yeah, yeah. Very much keeping up the Obsidian tradition. I really like the beginning uh, when you first run into the ship's AI, and it's basically saying, like, yeah, so I can't turn, I can't leave unless 
you know, Captain Hawthorne tells me to, but I mean, anyone could be Captain Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to see how far that goes if you keep like saying, yeah, I'm not Captain Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how far does that go? I gave up fairly early and just uh, said, yeah, I'm Captain Hawthorne, I'll be Captain Hawthorne. <laughs> I, I think I went like seven layers deep before giving up or before it just forced you. Forced me. But it, it was a lot, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the weird religion going on in the outer world is very terrifying. Yeah. Uh, the vicar is quite quite a specimen, quite a person. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think. What a weirdo! I can't. I, I don't think we, we had this, this. This was a discussion we had like on an actual show, but I was tempted to just like tell him to like hit the road. But the characters seem so interesting that I just wanted to keep them around to see where it goes. But he's some the sort of person that you wouldn't actually want to deal with in real life because he's yeah. very rude and brusque. Yeah. But as a game character, it becomes interesting. Of like, well, where are you going if I take you as far as you'll go? Yeah. And also, your religion is strange. <laughs> I think it's called scientism. Yes. And it's all this weird stuff about law, and it's like it's very clearly modeled to be a religion that is understandably a religion, but does not conform to any like actual. It, like you would not easily identify it with any actual religion, which no. probably a wise choice. Yeah, probably a wise choice. <laughs> but yeah, it's not a wise uh, choice. It's space's choice. Man, by the end of this game, I'm just going to be spouting like random freaking corporate slogans from that damn game. Uh, that's not your first choice. It's Spacer's choice. But yeah, and then you get uh, the crater face understudy on the first space station. Oh, that that's so great. You just just keep asking. Just you just keep trying to he get just him to say something you else. To stop, please. Just let him be a normal corporate stooge. <laughs> just let me be a stooge, please. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good. And I think the the thing that I mentioned at the top of the show uh, was that if you there, if you looked at the concept of the Outer Worlds on Switch and were like, "That's what I want. I want to be able to play this game portably," then this is the version for you. If you were like, "I want this game to look as nice as possible," you were never actually considering the Switch version in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's fair. So, I mean, it's a perfectly good uh, version of the game if you just want to experience it. So, that is uh, that's uh, my thought process given some of the up and down uh, critical responses gotten. Yeah. No, it's. I think the way I described it is it doesn't look the best, but I it runs super smoothly. It runs better than... Or I don't want to say necessarily runs better than your average Elder Scrolls game, but it certainly has fewer bugs. Yeah, that's the other thing about Outer Worlds that's fascinating, is that it's the first Obsidian game that feels like there's nothing super broken about it. Yeah, I, well, I had some major issues when it first launch on Xbox, but hmm. beyond that, no, it, like it wouldn't launch at all. 
That's weird. But after that, nothing. And like this version, just nothing. Like no crashes or anything. Uh, the yeah, long just... times are low, long. The, the the load times are long. But going back to the Xbox version, they're just the same thing there. But, I mean, yeah. Beyond that, it combat plays smoothly. Every, everything seems to work fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Like it, it will not be the nicest looking version, but it will run fine, and you will be experiencing a very good game. Yeah. <laughs> It's definitely, it's definitely one of Obsidian's best, and um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do going forward with, uh, without having to worry about their financial finances. They're to, whether they're about to run out of money in the yeah. given moment. No, it should be very interesting to see what they do going forward. Uh, their next game, which is basically Kanye Shrunk the Kids, should be fun. I forget the name of it. Do you remember the name of uh, what? Uh, Obsidian's next game? They announced it, and it was like, this is not what I particularly want, and so my brain just forgot about it immediately. <laughs> uh, it's bound to be on their Wikipedia page. Um... Uh, uh, grounded survival yeah. adventure where you're the size of an ant. I'm not into survival games, so it's not really for me. But hopefully, when they next make a video, when they next make an RPG, I will be there with bells on. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, I That's still... a phrase people use, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, I this, this all reminds me though that I need to play Pillars of Eternity one and two at some point. Same, same. I keep meaning to pick up the Switch versions. Yeah. I don't think the Switch version of 2 is out yet. Still not out? For some reason I thought it came out a while ago. I don't think so. I feel like it like got moved around a bit because of the Microsoft... Uh, because of the Microsoft acquisition, but yeah. yeah. They've made like a lot of those sort of overhead RPGs that I have difficulty playing. Uh... They also did uh, the Tyranny, yeah, which I totally forgot happened for a bit there. <laughs> uh, oh, Pillars Attorney is on sale on the eShop. How much? Twenty nine ninety nine. That's a pretty good time price. Click. You did it, the absolute man, man. Do, do, do. But yeah. Um, otherwise, just run down the questions to make sure there's nothing else I want to talk about. Uh, special thanks to those who sent us questions: uh, Crawl, uh, the Anime Man, and Shitan85. Uh, especially thanks for. Uh, sending us questions right as I asked for them right at the beginning <laughs> of the podcast. But also thanks to Crawl for having left some on episode 164. Uh, let's see. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Was I able to 
rant to you about uh, some of the information revealed about Yakuza 7? I don't think so. So they showed uh, the first English gameplay footage of it at IGN's like summer gaming YouTube thing. And I was very excited that some of the footage they showed was like a mini game where you're running around in a rickshaw competing against other people running around with rickshaws uh, trying to pick up the most litter. (laughs) Yakuza cannot be stopped and cannot be reasoned with. And there was also a uh, mention of... So all these Yakuza games have like side activity, business side activities. So like usually it's like manage a hostess club or that sort of thing. Or like Yakuza 0 has the real estate royale thing where you're like trying to buy up all of Kamarocho. <laughs> In this one you run like a you you run like a confection company. But it's like the worst confection company. It is the bottom of the barrel and you're trying to <laughs> take it to the top. And so you have like you you do like the sort of improve the company business, but you also have to answer to shareholders. So there's apparently like many games where you have to like just apologize to shareholders in a mini game in order to like just to apologize for how badly the company is doing. Oh my god! I think Yakuza might be incredible. Yeah, not gonna lie. I need to do some Yakuza. The coat, the coat of the dragon. Checking out play on my Xbox. Xbox. Which is which is bizarre. Imagine going back in time and telling yourself, hey, not only is Yakuza popular and we're getting all of them, uh, but they're also coming to Xbox. <laughs> yep, it's time for that franchise to go multi platform. Yeah. Uh Oh yeah, that does remind me of a question you might have felt like weighing in on that we got on episode 164, which was, again, from Crawl, and me and Gaijin discussed it a bit, but I figured you might have something to say, which was, uh, with the news slash rumor still to be confirmed at time of writing, Persona 4 Golden is coming to PC. Do you think that there are still any roadblocks to a mainline Persona title coming to Switch? That let's just worried about sales cannibalizing Shin Megami Tensei Five. And as we discussed earlier, I don't think they're worried about that latter part at all. Yeah. Uh, Atlas has always been kind of fine, just sort of putting things out and letting them uh, sell however they feel like. Uh, Where's my goddamn Persona Five Switch? One day, someday. I feel like if Golden happens, Royal becomes like even more of just a matter of time. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, I figure if Golden comes to Steam, it probably comes to like everything. Like it'll be weird, but I could totally see if Golden comes to Steam, it comes to uh, Xbox One and Switch. Wouldn't yeah. that be funny? That'd be funny. <laughs> but yeah. And eh, that's probably how I would end up playing Golden again. <laughs> it's a long game. Yeah. But yeah, no, bring it, bring P4 to everything, please. Game is that game rules. Yes, that too. <laughs> to be a dragon, you gotta be strong. Humble, never bragging. But yeah, so. 
figured we'd... <sighs> and then, while we're doing pie-in-the-sky things, uh, also mm-hmm. bring Radiant Historia to Switch. That was a weirdly late 3DS game. Yeah. And it I was originally going to be a weirdly early beta game. Wasn't the original version of it... A weirdly late DS game? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> the game just comes out at the, came out at the wrong time twice. Which is weird for a time travel game. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, to be to be fair, I don't know if there would have been a good time for it to come out on the Vita, but it was originally meant to be on the Vita. Well, the yeah. perfect chronology version. It's a good thing that didn't happen because uh, that would wow. be. <laughs> Sorry, Vita. <laughs> Sorry, not yeah. sorry. It was uh, there was they were very like blatant about it in a uh, interview when Perfect Chronology happened, where they're like, "Yeah, we originally started this project on another handheld, and then our team got pulled on to do Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE, and then by the time we were finished, uh, the other platform didn't make sense anymore, so we made it on 3DS." <laughs> it was very funny. In a very sad sort of way. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think that runs us out of questions and discussions. Uh, have you considered purchasing a video game? I just video did. Actually. Oh god. Yeah, I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't realize wow. what, what we were doing, what was happening while we were talking about pillars of <laughs> No, I just didn't even think about like what I was saying in comparison to the fact that you had purchased one less than ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, that's about all we have to discuss, unless there's something you want to bring up. Um. You know, like there was something. Oh, Oddworld Stranger's Wrath came out as a physical edition on Switch this week. That's a great which game. Probably passed by many people, but it happened. You should play Oddworld Stranger's Wrath. It's a great game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Wizard of Legend finally getting a limited run. Oh wow, that's I've heard good things. Yeah, it's a fun little roguelike, nice like pixel arty style, and also wizards. But also wizards and more wizards. Wizards are a shame. Wizbiz. What's that? I think that's about it. Play Outer Worlds, people. It rules. Play it on any platform you choose. Yeah, if you have an Xbox or PC, you can grab Game Pass and play it that way. It's not your first choice, it's Spacer's choice. It's Bezos' choice. That's, you know. That that reminds me. So my friend friend earlier today was, he was trying to get some discounts on, uh, he's trying to get some cheap games at GameStop. So he's, he's, but he started by asking me about Fallout. And I'm like, "Uh, no, get Outer Worlds instead. He's like, no, I'm trying to get this like four for 20 deal. 
So I'm like, okay, buy Fallout New Vegas. It's the best Fallout. It's true. So he bought Fallout 4 instead. What? <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, what are you doing? Why did you even ask? That was the choice. Seriously. It was the same price as Fallout 4. It's way better. Listen, you can't even talk to your brain in Fallout 4. Yeah. Philistines. Yeah. Why are you asking me your opinion about video games if you aren't going to listen? Sometimes people ask questions Damn. just uh, in the hopes of getting an answer they already wanted to hear. Each of the lives we lead. Well, at least he didn't buy Fallout 3, I guess. Wait, what? At least he didn't buy Fallout 3, I guess. I'd say that between that and Fallout 4, you're kind of zero sum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Put Fallout New Vegas on Switch. Um, oh, rumors of Mass Effect trilogy remasters are popping up again. Yeah, I've seen that for the past month. I feel like they must. That must be happening. Yes. There's too much smoke there. Switch, please. Thank you. Yeah, I've heard the rumors. I've heard say not at launch, but eventually. That's fine. Yeah, I would hope that they'll maybe uh, you can fix that. Thing. Maybe fix it. <laughs> Just, just a, just a thought. Hey, here, hey, let me, let me throw some ideas out here. If I, if I were this, like, marketing whiz over at EA, I'd be like, hey, we, we're working on, we're secretly working on these new Mass Effect games. I have this great idea about how we can tease a new series of Mass Effect games. If we can change that shitty ending and instead make it tease and tie into our new series of Mass Effect games. Boom. They're not going to do that at all, are they? It'd be nice, but I feel like it, it seems like if you're going to embark on this endeavor, you fix the one thing people would really like. That is the thing that would sell the trilogy again. True. Like the idea that it has, at the very least, a different ending. You don't have to say what's in it. Yeah. Just say it has a different one. You say that, and you will sell it all over again from people still hoping that it will have a better one. Yeah. Until they find out that it's just a still still image of a developer giving players the middle finger or something. <laughs> I'm sure that this was like by all appearances that ending was the clutch of we need the game out. Yeah. But still, it's it would be nice if they allocated money in this remaster to making a better one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how possible that is. It depends upon how many people they can bring back to voice act and how much that's an option. But I'd like it. Uh, if we're going to see it, it's going to be at the EA Play thing that they're doing in like a week. Sweet. So there seems to be enough smoke there that I assume there's a fire. EA has gotten less reticent about at least putting remasters on Switch. So Burnout? Yep. Sadly, uh, man, what the... Which guns? It was, there was a Guns N' Roses song that just played at the beginning of every time you booted up Burnout Paradise, wasn't there? Uh, Paradise City? Yeah, I think it was Paradise City. Yeah, it definitely was. In conclusion, replace that with 
Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. <laughs> okay. I'm making a joke. Oh. There's a good real big fish cover of that. Nice. Just replace the entire soundtrack by real big fish covers of the original soundtrack. Here you go. I would I would watch that. I would listen to that. Whoa, think twice, cause it's another day for you and me in paradise. Whoa, think twice, cause it's another day for you and me, you and me in paradise. But yeah, I think we've run ourselves out of things. Yeah, alright. I just uh, wanted some extra time for out of <laughs> I'm gonna hit the stop button now. Uh, we need to actually say goodbye to people. Oh, right. Peace out, folks. Uh, uh, peace question. out. Uh, questions go in the comment section, or they go in the now-labeled podcast section of the Discord. Uh, otherwise, see you, Space Cowboys. Wait, what? Podcast what? section? They, they, they changed the section? It no longer says Q&A quest. It now says podcasts. Um, We've lost our... Our other podcasts nudging in on our question action here. I don't feel like it because no one else uses it. It's just got yeah. a label podcast. The description still says a channel for Q&A quest questions. Interesting. And other such things. I wonder if I can rename this. <laughs> I feel like you should ask, given that someone would have had to rename it in the first place. It's fine. I don't have permission anyway. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, but yeah. Otherwise, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. Whoa, thanks for watching.